Hello, how you doing? This is Richard Barnes. This interview was recorded at the Martial Arts Exhibition in Coventry, October 2013, and was part of the Martial Mind Zone. It was an opportunity for me to find out a little bit more about the guests, what got them into martial arts, and what they had learned on their journey. This interview is subject to copyright. For more information, visit richardbarnes.com. Okay, so without further ado, it's time to chat. Hello, this is Richard Barnes talking to Barrington Patterson at the TMAX conference. Now, this is kind of weird for me because um, Barrington and I have got a, a shared shared lineage a little bit, so I'm kind of talking to an old friend. Um, my, my chin still bears a... a, a the hair a, of my chin, chin, chin. There's <laughs> a little scar that my, my, my friend Barrington put on there, and I like to think that when he did kick me on the chin, um, and this is a story I've told to so many people, I bled on him more than any el- anybody else has come across. Anyway, it's nice to see you, mate. Um, sure, thank you very much. I wanted to catch up and uh, talk about what you're doing at the moment, because you've got a book out as well. Yeah, I've got a book out at the moment called um, One Eye Baz. One Eye Baz, yeah. right. Now... How many people have actually... Well, tell, tell me why it's called One-Eyed Bass. What's the... I, I'm, I've never had... Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm going to say I've never had the courage to ask why, you know, you're known as One-Eyed Bass uh, or how it happened, but, you know, you are One-Eyed Bass because... I've got one eye. Yeah, and well, how did that happen? By the book. By the book. It's nothing to do... It's nothing to do with something... An, an accident earlier in life. It, it was an accident earlier right. in life. My, um, my sister hit me with a can... Threw a can at me when I was about six, seven years old. OK. And I was blind since then. Right. Now, I want to ask you a question, right? Yes. You know, you, you have had this disability, right? Yeah. All the way through. How the hell, right... You know, because you need two eyes to judge a distance and whatever. How the hell can you be a martial artist with only one eye? And not only have you been a martial artist, right, you've got a career that spans 15, 20 years. Yeah. You've, you've fought on the world stage. Yeah. You've fought for titles all over the place. You're very big um, in Europe. Yet you have this disability, but you've overcome it. But um, I've, never, I've never let it stop me from doing whatever I wanted to do. You know, in, even when I first started, um, I used to go to pictures back in Answorth when I was about 10, 12 years and watch all these Kung Fu films, and that's what inspired me. That I wanted to do this, I wanted to be a world champion, this, I wanted to be a world champion, that. And because I've got one eye, it's never stopped me from doing whatever I wanted to do. I've passed my driving test first time, so... No, I was second you know. time. That's just, you know... Um, did you get hassled as a kid growing up? Did you? Yeah, when I, when I was at school, I used to get called, like... Names like One Eye Cyclops and yeah. you know the Dragon and all this shit. So, is that where is that what prompted you to get into the martial arts bit, or was well, it the I first, you... Well, I, I got into the martial arts first. Then I left the martial arts. Then went into the. I wanted to put some muscle. I wanted to, you know, I was I was old. I was um, went into these muscle man figures and yeah, all yeah. this. And I don't want, I, don't want, I wanted to be like a muscle man. Right. So I start I started bodybuilding. How then old? I, um, I think it was about 18, 19 when I started yeah. bodybuilding. But, you know, I was told I was, I was to train down like, like Dorian's gym. And they used to say to me, you know, you can really, the physique, what you got, you can really go far in the bodybuilding. But in order to go far in the bodybuilding, you got to take certain things. Yeah. And me, I'm, even though I've got tattoos, I'm shit scared of needles. So I thought, <laughs> I ain't going down that way. 
then I started back into the martial arts again. But I've always combined the two training, martial arts and your bodybuilding together. Yeah. Oh, so you start your martial arts, what, about 11, 12 years old? Yeah. Which, again, you grew up in Hansworth. Yeah. I mean, Hansworth is a, a tough area, and it's, it's, it was a tough area. I'd, I'd say it was a tougher area back then than it is now. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it was a tougher area back then, but it was a respectful, respectable area. Yeah. Answorth is a tough area now, but it's not a respectable area as it was back then. Well, what what was changed? Is it just people's attitude to other people? Kids, kids, people. Yeah, the, the respect ain't there anymore between young people and old people. You know, because I know for like from reading stuff that you said and you know following you on Facebook, you know, family is really important to you. Oh, and, oh definitely, definitely, and, definitely. And, and going back to that, and the, the sense of community is important. To yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So twelve years old, you get into martial arts in a tough area, and then you get into your bodybuilding. And yeah, well, my first martial art was judo. All right, yeah, I'm yeah. A, I'm a very, I got to purple belt in that. Yeah. Then I stopped that. Then I went on to um, Shotokan karate, went on to Wadakuru karate. Then when I was about 23, I left, left Answorth and come to Coventry, and that's when I started in the kickboxing when I came to Coventry. So when did you start working on the door? Because that's where we met, oh, wasn't it? I was working on the door. I started working on the door back in Birmingham, a club called Palace, when I was about... 19, 20 years old. What the hell for? I, I had a bit of problem with one of the doormen. I ended up beating up the head doorman. <laughs> so then they asked me, then they asked me to work there as, yeah. a, as a doorman. So I started working there. But then when I came to, Co- you know, when I came to Coventry, everything just expired from there because I didn't really know one. I didn't know anybody in Coventry. Yeah. I was just, I was on my tub most, you know, all the time. And I started working at a place called Reflections. Yeah, so hang on a minute. Let's just say, in in the hierarchy of things that happened in Coventry, Reflections was pretty low on the league of, yeah, of you know, yeah. it, it wasn't the nicest of places. And there's Com- some... You know, Reflections was the worst place in Coventry to work at that time. And I didn't know anybody, and that's how I, that's how I earned my stripes. So... You were doing martial, your martial arts set you up, and your bodybuilding set yeah. you up for doing. You know, were you doing stuff in the daytime as well as, or just? No, I was just most time. It was just then. Then times it was just just door work, just door, yeah. door work, and training in the daytime. And training in the daytime. What did you want to be when you? <laughs> sounds like a silly question. Up. What did you want to be when you? You know, you were young when you grew up. What, what was you? You know, you said about um, stuff want, in martial arts magazines. Tell you what, always I wanted to be a world champion in something. Yeah. That's all I wanted to be was a world champion or something. Yeah. And I've done it. And what do you want to do now? Now I just, you know... As you, hang on, let, let, me, let me rephrase that question, right? As your life view changed, obviously you were driven at a younger age to achieve what you've done. Now well, you've achieved yeah. it. Is, is it, is it... My life has changed a lot since I've, you know, I've, I've knocked the football violence on the head and certain things I've knocked on the head. And my life has changed a lot. You know, I've got bigger fish to fry now, so I've got to keep on, you know, I've got to keep on the, on the straight and narrow, so things, things are looking up. I was going to talk about the, the Zulu bit. Because um, <laughs> grinning at me. Because <laughs> how did you fall into that then? I, f- I fell into that when I was about in 1983. Yeah. You know, I went to my first football match down in Burns. So you're about seven, 16, 17 yeah. years old. Yeah. Yeah, I went to my first football match down in Burns, sitting there. Then, them days, you didn't really get black people at football matches like that. Yeah. Because I remember going down even there, in Birmingham. Even in Birmingham, it was just the place was just full of skinheads, and it was like spot the black man. Yeah. You know what I mean? And everything because. Them days, we were like rude boys on the town, and yeah. rude boys didn't get on with skinheads. So every Saturday, we would congregate uptown, and we would be fighting all these skinheads. And all these skinheads were like the apex. That's what the Zulus were called before. Yeah. The Zulus they were called the apex. So all those rude boys used to 
at it off at the apex all the time. Yeah. Then we got friendly, we got friendly, we got friendly. Then we all, all of a sudden, you get suddenly get loads of black guys going down to football matches. And then in 1984, 1985, the Zulus were formed. And it was just because there was more black guys going. Yeah, and but it's you know people think it's it's not a black thing; it's a multicultural thing. Yeah, you know, with Birmingham City, we got the most multicultural supporters in any club in England. It's a bit of a weird thing, though, isn't it? That it's took football violence, if you like, to bring together a community yeah, of yeah. people. Because uh, don't forget, a lot of a lot of the come to, come together has been like through music as well, yeah. through the rave music. You know, everyone used to go out and take the pills and. You didn't want to fight. You just everyone you just was just lovey dovey. Yeah. Same with your closest enemy. You'd be all partying and lovey dovey with your closest enemy. You see, so you know, um, music and the casual dress sense has brought a lot of things together. Do you um, look back at them times and you know kind of regret stuff that went on or? No, I've, I've, no, I've never regretted anything I've done in my life. To tell the truth, the only thing I've ever regretted in my life is having five kids off five different women. That's the only thing I've regretted because I've never had all my five kids together. If, uh, well, let's talk about your film because you're doing films at the moment. You've been pulled into doing films and whatever. You're going to see you on the big screen. Yeah, I've been doing this film called uh, Meet the Governors in London at the moment and I've just finished filming last week. Yeah, and how so, was it? It was good. You know, I'm, I just wanted to get my foot in the door or something. I've got my foot in the door now, so... Was it, uh, was it what you thought? Because I've, I've been to film sets and whatever, and it's it's not as you imagine it. It's stop, start, start and things take ages and multiple you know, shots. You'll probably and... get, a, like, a 15-minute fame. Yeah. About 15 minutes takes six, seven hours to do. Yeah. And it was just stop, start, stop, start, but... You enjoy just, it? just can't wait to see the outcome of it. When does that come out? Uh, it's due out next year, May. I do on the podcast that I do. I I offer people to go in my time machine, right? Yeah. To uh, give the person the ability to jump in and go back to have a word with themselves when they say 13, 14 years of age, yeah. and whisper in their ear a, a word of wisdom. Now, if you were to have a game with time machine, right? And it runs on diesel, so I'm getting good mileage out of it and everything. Would you go back and have a word in, in your ear back then and, and, and kind of change the direction, or, or are you a happy chappy as you well, are? the things that I know now, if I knew the things that I know now, I'd go about... For example? ...things differently. But the way you view people, the way they view life, or...? The way, just the way I went about things back then. Yeah. You know, of course, you know, like I said, your past always catches up with you. Your criminal record always catches up yeah. with you. Because there's certain things I'd love to do now, like yeah. social work. I'd love to do things like that. Yeah. I went to a school in um, Birmingham last week, did a speech, a speech for kids, you know. Yeah. And I think that, but it's always your criminal record. And it's what you say, you would have gone back and said a word in your ear and said, look, you know, do what you got to do, but keep your nose clean. Keep your nose clean, yeah. Okay. Good talking to you today, Barrington. It's, it's, nice, it's nice to see you again, especially in a, in a formal way. Cheers, I wish you well. Hello again, it's Richard Barnes. I'm talking it for my second time in two days. It's Sunday at the TMAX conference to Barrington Patterson. Hello again. How are you doing, Ross? All right. Um, got uh, a live studio audience as well in front of us, so if you want to jump in at any point and ask Barrington questions <coughs> about what's what and what he's done. But first, let's just go in chronological order again about over you know, who you are and why you got into martial arts and what you're doing now because you've got a book out as well yeah one-eyed baz yeah. um which which is uh, talks about your life and how you got to where you are today and yeah. and you're also a film star as well trying to be yeah because he's been filming a film this week born in hansworth birmingham no 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 grew up in hansworth birmingham yeah yeah, yeah. where were you born then but i'm trent yeah. Oh, I'll you down as a, like a brummy through and through, but you're not. 
No? Oh, that's, I tell you what, that's, that's, that's a revelation. So when did you move to Hansworth then? Well, about five years old, four or five years old. Yeah. Five years old. Yeah, they um, moved to Coventry, eight to seven. OK. So... And just moved back to Birmingham now. So, so but Burton-on-Trent is, is, is... Yep. OK, all right. So, take us through the martial arts journey with you. Journey uh, to the martial arts? Yeah. Um, I started my first martial arts when I was about... 10, 11 years old, which is which was judo. Why? Why? Um, I was always 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 interested in martial arts, but judo was the first one well, that attracted my attention to do something. Why? What was what was it that was pretty or functional, or was it just they had the class handy nearby? Or no, it was, it was closest one where I could find close by where I was living at, at the time. All right, yeah. So I just I just started there. For, I st- well, I started as soon as I got to secondary school. Yeah. I, I started there where I was already living around the corner. So the church was just around the corner anyway. So I started that. And um, did it for a couple of years, got to Purple Belt. Then I stopped. And we moved out again. And um, it was a club up... A you you called, stopped because you moved? Yeah. Yeah. And it was a club up the road called... Um, a guy called John Richards used to teach Shotokan Karate. Oh, yeah. And I, and I started there. I did that for a good couple of years. And I, went, I was never interested in... Taking belts, I was just—I just wanted to fight. Belt, you know. Belts don't make you a fighter, you know. And um, I did that for a couple of years, and I went on to Wadaroo. And I tried Wadaroo, and I just—just just didn't like the the style of fighting. And um, when I was about 23, I moved to Coventry in 1987. I moved to Coventry, and I, and I met Dev Barrett, and I started kickboxing there. And it was like free freestyle kickboxing karate store thing. So when I when I, and I started off as you do, I started out on like a white belt. But after a couple of weeks, I was I was fighting black belts, and I was I was beating black belts. You know, so um, and I just I just progressed from there. I started, you know, I just progressed up the ranks from there. What did you get out of doing the martial arts bit? Was it was it just the fighting bit, or was there? It was just just the fight. I just wanted to. I was I went interested in you know for the kickboxing. Now I've been on I've been on the green belt for twenty five years. <laughs> And I'm, you know, I'm still on the green belt now. Now I'm retired from fighting, even though I still train. I'm, I'm going to go and take my black belt. Yeah. But belts don't make you a champion. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can do all the, the syllabus and the cat or whatever you want to do, but that doesn't mean you can fight. And I was only interested in, in the fighting side of it. Did you want to fight because you were angry at something? No, I was, I was angry. Just, I just love fighting. Pure and simple? Just pure and simple, love fighting. You know, sorry, because when I, when I started, like... Um, I started doing I started doing semi contact. I was doing alright. I was I was fast for my size and everything. But then I started, you know, knocking someone out with a reverse punch. It was a controlled reverse punch. You know, I'd come in a, to- a tournament and I'd be like this in the tournament. Boom! Clean reverse punch. And the guy would drop and curl up in a ball. I'd still get disqualified for it. And I, you know, and um, it was Howard Brown what got me into the into the kickboxing course. I was at a semi contact tournament in um, Holland. Yeah. And I hit this guy with a reverse punch. It was clean, you know, clear reverse punch. Sweetest reverse punch you could have seen. And the guy curled up and didn't get up for like five, ten minutes and he disqualified me. And I was like, fuck this, you're thieving. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I did, I, did, I did a tournament in Coventry at the sports centre. And I caught this guy with a s- sweetest spinning reverse leg sweep. You know, the ones where you come down like this. I'm standing like that. And the guy went up, came down, fell on his neck and disqualified me for it. And I thought, you can't get any cleaner technique than that. And that's what really pushed me to, the, to do the full contact. What sort of, how old were you then? Um, 
in my in my early twenties. Because I mean, me and you have got a, a, a shared history a little yeah. bit. Because I, I first met you when you were working the doors. Yeah. So. Was that an extension of your martial arts going out on the doors, or was it just a way of earning a few quid, or earning money and having have a little fight on the door, and you know what I mean? Because uh, when I when I was working on the door, I, I was totally different to everyone else. You know, I'd, I'd see guys fighting over there. I'm not going over there to to stop the fight. I'm going over there to join in the fight. <laughs> because, because, no, I'm telling you the truth. Because I just wanted to fight. <laughs> That was that was yeah. Because this is this is peculiar about me. Because again, this is this is a strange thing for me to interview you, because I've known you for a long time, yeah. and there are the, the fighter side of you, and there's also there's the, the other side of you that a lot of people don't see is you're a very personable, a kind, and quite caring person. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, I know, that's, that's, I know. Family you know, means personally, personally. That's not for me to say. That's for other people to say. Well, no, what I, you see is what you get with me. You yeah. know, like, like I said to you yesterday, I treat everyone the same respect, and I, I expect respect back. Yeah. You know, the moment someone disrespects me, I'm slapping you in the face. Simple as that. <laughs> but going, going to okay. Well, let, let's let's take this situation. In like I can see this happening in the Bulls Head in Coventry, where something kicks off, and you think. Well, it's going to be over this. But you've gone over and you've done your martial arts and whatever. Was your martial arts training relevant to being able to deal with those fight-type situations? Yeah, because uh, the more fights you were, you're getting and being more active, the more it came a, a lot more easier to, to deal with. You know, you get some guys who were working on the doors 15 years and never had a fight in their life. So when something happens, they, they start, they freeze. I don't know what to do. You know, like um, someone always said to me one day, you know, what, what would that, what, what would happen if someone pulled a gun on you? And the day, the night I was working in the Ministry of Sound in London, the guy pulled a gun on me. I jumped on him, grabbed him around, and I took the gun off him and just started hammering him. <laughs> mm. yeah. Isn't there the? Doesn't it say in the book of self-defense to run or hide when that? Happens? No, it doesn't say self-defense is self-defense. Yeah. I use my self-defense to help me. Yeah. And you know, but the worst thing about it, the police always throw the book at me. You know, I'm, I'm on a fight on the street, and obviously, because I'm a big lad, people don't expect me to kick. They, you know, big lad expect you to throw a punch. The first thing, I, of course, I know I'm good with my legs, I can kick. First thing I usually do is kick. Yeah, I know about that. <laughs> and then, you know, by the time it goes to court, it always goes against me in court, so... Do you um, have... Re- well, no, no, I'll ask you about the regrets at the end. But when you were caught up in these situations or went into these situations having studied what you had studied were there just a few things that you used did you strip back techniques that work were the stuff that you learned in martial arts were superfluous and completely rubbish for, for reality nothing that I learned was rubbish I put everything that I learned I put it in whether on the streets or fighting a football match I put every, you know I put everything I put everything into, into reality well, you, know, you talked about um, reverse sweeps. I yeah. mean, on, on, on the street, it's going yeah, to be. Yeah, a... but all right, say, all right, this, this got, going back some time now, right? When I was about um, seven, eight years old, because I'm from Answorth. So in Answorth, we had two cinemas. We had one called Grand Palace and one called Elite. So every Friday night now, this was, this was like a black thing, mainly a black thing. So every Friday night now, it used to show Kung Fu films from 11 o'clock at night till 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. And you have the. You know, these two picture houses will be jam-packed on a Friday and Saturday night. So by the time you come out now, on a Friday night, 5 o'clock in the morning, everyone's in the street going, wah, wah, and, and fighting each other. So there have been a lot of things that inspired me to do what I wanted to do. But the trouble is, 
I was blinded one eye, right? But that has, ne- you know, that has never stopped me from achieving whatever I've wanted to achieve. You know, I can see just as good as you with, with two eyes. You know, I passed my driving test first time. It's, it's, it's never stopped me. I'm, I'm, you know, because that, that, that's one of the things you, you know, you've had to. When, when I was, when I was fighting, I always pass my medical. I fear enough, I cheat. <laughs> but I always pass my medical. You know, do I, do I see, especially with my fighting wise, sometimes you've got to cheat to win. You know, I'm old guys and I hit him. If the referee says, oh, I remember fighting this, sorry, just get off the subject, fighting this one guy. This what this what guy was as fast as fuck. Sorry, mate, kicked him in the bollocks. So, accident, accident, accident. Right, the referee get a warning. You only get a warning, but you've slowed the person down already. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So sometimes you've got, you've, got you've got to use a bit of tactics. I fought in... Um, Hang on, so you've, you've used, you used the disability that you've had, this, you're being blind in one eye, yeah. to your advantage. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Okay. Talk, tell me about, um, you know, the... the well, I know you've had two, two sides of, of your training. You did your martial arts training. Yeah. And you tested it out and got affirmation working on the doors. Yeah. Okay, but you also got into bodybuilding. So what's that all about? Yeah, well, I started... Because doesn't bodybuilding mean you can't move around like a proper martial artist? And no, 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 no. Well, I started, I started bodybuilding. I got to a stage where I was looking good. You know, I used to get guys used to come and see you know, top bodybuilders you could really go far in this bodybuilding. And I started training, I was pumping iron. But yeah, for you with the bodybuild, you gotta take that shit. And me, I'm shit scared of fucking needles. Right? <laughs> Even though that tattoo is, I ate needles. So I thought, no. Then I started on the tablets, tablets, tablets. But the tablets stay around in your kidneys too long and they'll fuck your kidneys up. So I thought, fuck this, I'm just gonna try and train naturally. Plus, I was getting into the, more into the kickboxing, and they, all my fights, I was getting drug tested, drug tested, drug tested all the time. So I didn't, I didn't really want to want to risk it. But I've always combined the two. You know, people say to me, "Oh, you get stiff and you get slow, but weight training, load of bollocks." No, you, no, you don't. But I was stretching every day. I was still doing my CV. I'm, so long as I was stretching and doing my CV, I'm not the greatest of stretchers, but I can kick. Do you? Um... When you look back at your training and your bodybuilding and all that linked together, and you, you know you, you talked about your um, you want your willingness to fight people, yeah. was was that what you wanted to do as a kid? I just or just something that kind of fell into it, starting well, it, with the judo and most the... most of it started like um, when I started going football matches. I started going football matches and was, uh, how old were you in the first football match? I'm one of the main top hooligans in the country. No, no, no. I'm, I'm serious. I'm a, one of well-known football hooligans in, in the in the country, and I'm not ashamed of it. You're probably a fucking rapist. You're going to admit you're a rapist. I'll admit, I'll admit I'm a football hooligan all day long, even though I've stopped it now. You understand what I'm saying? So at game, I, I went to my first football match in 1982-83 um, because I'm a, I'm a Birmingham City fan. And um, when we when our first started, is, is that that scene below Coventry City? No, above Coventry City. Okay. <laughs> Com- Com- no, it's a touch around the leg there. Give me a affirmation. Com- Put me in my place. No, Coventry is shitty, man. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, right, yeah. So- <laughs> At least you've got your own ground. Yeah, carry on. So, uh, yeah, so I'd say, we'll st- I started going out to Birmingham City ground. You know, at them times, we were like in Birmingham Town. We were rude boys. You know what I mean? And then when we started first going down to Birmingham City ground, <coughs> most of the guys down there were skinheads. And rude boys and skinheads didn't get on. So we used to gang up in town every Saturday. And when the skinheads are coming through town to go to the football match, I'd be off for the skinheads. 
in gang up again at the end of it. Is yeah. that from the same team? Like Listen, I'm going to get to that in a minute. Okay. So, <laughs> so then, by quarter to five, we gang up again in town when all the Skinners are coming through town and give it to the Skinners again, right? <laughs> so most these Skinners at the time, they were called the Apex, right? And we were black, white, Asians. We were, we were townies, right? So then all of a sudden, we started bashing these Skinners and got talking to these Skinners, and we started going down the football match mingling with all these skinheads that's where the Zulus were formed right so this, hang so, on the, the fights so, were on uh, racist ground no, to start no. with it was, it was a racist thing first yeah. of course don't forget skin, rude boys and skinheads didn't get on just like skinheads didn't get on with muds rude boys didn't get on with muds yeah. no one got in with each other Yeah. so we was all fighting each other but like I said we all the skinheads and the rude boys got together and that's where the Zulus actually come from the Zulus the Zulus were formed in um, 1985 and a lot of people think it's a it's a black thing. It's no, it's not a black thing. It's a multiracial thing. Even though we've got the name Zulu, it's a multiracial thing. Because this is the weird thing. I mean, we we talked yesterday. But this is the weird thing. I kind of got out of this that you um, brought together a community of people uh, at Birmingham yeah. City that you know were divided along race lines. And through a common interest of actually football and having a bit but of most of, bash, most of the get together was, was involved in like music. Of course, Skinheads and Rude Boys listen to the same music, the beat, the specials, blah, blah, blah. And what's got the casual, you know, the clothes and, and all that. That's how a lot of it came together. You know, just like, for instance, you go back in, in the early, late, late 80s, 90s, when you had all this acid music and everyone's on these trips and that. You know, you see your worst friend in a rave. You'd be all, come on, mate, how you doing, mate? You want, you want a drink? Because people would be pilled up. You know, and so that's how a lot of people did get together as well through the rave scene, the casual dressing scene, and, and the music. Do you, do you think football... Uh, I, I don't ask you this question and get the wrong, 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 no, the wrong answer. No. I mean, we've got... I mean, football violence is... is, is football violence is something that is very much frowned upon these days. And do you think that it has evolved out of that? It's frowned upon because people don't understand football, football hooliganism, you know? You, no, 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 I'm trying, I'm trying. You think you just go to a football match and you see someone with a different colour scarf, you batter them. No, you don't. We know who these guys are. We know, you know, through phone and technology, we know who these guys, you know, you know, we know who we're looking for. Yeah. We don't just go and bash someone because they've got a different colour scarf on or because he's walking down there with his missus. It's, it's nothing like that. You do get some arseholes that are like that, but the main thing is it's not like that. And most of it's all is like, on a Saturday, you're going to East Town, say, like, I'm coming to Coventry, and we're coming down here just, just to take the piss, really. We're going to your main pub where all your boys are, and we just want to chase you out your main pub and just take the piss in your town for the day. And that's what a lot of it is as well, to tell the truth. See, when, I, when I've followed my team, you know, Coventry City, yeah. the, the smaller team than Birmingham, that hasn't got its own ground, when I follow them and go, go um, away from home, you know, one of the, the things that I've really enjoyed is the banter that you get yeah, between yeah, fans. Yeah. And uh, but I've not got into the bish bash side of it. Um, but I have stood in pubs and. But uh, recently, you know, but recently, no, I've only been interested in football recently for about a year or so. Now. I was never interested in football. <laughs> I, I, I'm to God's honest. Well, what's changed then? I just, I just wanted to fight. What's changed? Yeah. What's, what's changed? Because I'm, getting, you know, I'm getting older now. And I've got, I've got some good things coming for me now. Yeah. You know, I've just done um, the film last week, Meet the Governors, with David Essex, Drizzle Kids, and Richard Blackwood and various actors. And I'm, sorry, I've done my book. What's been out about six months, and I'm trying to get into like, like I explained to you yesterday. I like, 
I went to um, do a uh, job last week. The guy who's a social service guy asked him, can you come in and talk to these kids for me? I says, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll come in. I'll just tell him the truth, tell it as is. And they were going on. And I said, listen, there's like four mentors there. And I said to these guys, I said, listen, I said to the mentors, these guys are not going to relate to what you're saying. You've got the education, you've been to university, you've been to college, you've got the paperwork, you've got the green, this, green, that. That don't mean jack shit. I've been there, done it. They can relate to what I'm saying to them because I have been there and, and, and I've done it. No matter what they've done, sell drugs, done this and that, I've done it all. So I think they'll relate to me more than what than so, relate to, to you. Okay, so they relate to you. You've been there and done it, right? And you were saying to them the path that you followed to that, you know, the, the violence and whatever else is not the be-all and end-all. It's not the answer. It's Obviously, I've, I've turned in a different way. In, yeah. You know, even, even up till now, I wouldn't change my path again because I think I chose the right path. But certain things that I know now, if I knew back then... I'd have gone back things, certain things, you know, a different way. Because, as I say, your past always catches up with you. It's because you're finding and now some doors are closed that you want yeah, to be Yeah, some doors are closed. I like to do things with kids and a lot of things, but I can't because my fucking record's that fucking long. So, I can't, you know, I've you know, got, I got my own door company. I can't put my name forward on my door company because if the police find out, I'm, I'm mud because I'm, I'm, I'm fucked with police. I'm down as a, a police hater. You know what I mean? So... I've got to take. I've got my guys running the door. I've got to take a back seat. When I get the new door, I say to the manager, "Do not mention my name to the police." Mind, you know what I mean? But you go into trouble, get on the phone and just give me a call. <laughs> so, do you think that um, if you hadn't done martial arts, if you hadn't gone back, you know, to that time, that judo, yeah, would you have been a lost person? Do you think? I don't think so. No, because I was. I was just. A, or, would you, or would you be banged up now? I'm not. I'm not like, you know, most of these guys who, who come from, like, rough times like myself and, and got a bit better, they always say, well, if I was around, I'd, I'd, I'd have been stabbed or arrested or done... I was just... I would have been locked up. But I wouldn't have been killed or, you know, yeah. doing time for murder. I'd, I was just I was just wild, anything for a fight. So the martial arts bit kind of gave you a direction? Yeah, yeah. Because then I started fighting, I was getting paid for my fighting. Yeah. You know, when you, when you talk about now martial arts fighting... I don't want to go off subject again. No, no, go I, You know, I fought some of the best fighters in the world. I fought Vitaly Klitschkoff. I fought Dennis Alexio, who's a Dennis Alexio, started with Van Damme's kickboxer. He's the one who played Van Damme's brother, the one who got crippled in the fight. Yeah. I fought him in Hawaii, right? It's a world title fight in Hawaii. I fought a guy called Paolo, Paolo Zarello in Brazil. He was three, four times wacko. This is the best one, right? I fought um, in 1995, I fought in world championships in Ukraine. And I fought um, Vitaly Klitschkov in the final. He beat me through politics and that. Because what it was, on that day, I had four fights on that day. And they said to me, yeah, you're fighting in the final tomorrow. And, you know, big England squad, you're fighting in the final tomorrow. So I said, all right, fair enough. I took my bandages off. And, you know, you can't go after your hotel because you've got other guys fighting, so you've got to stay in the, in the f- yeah. vicinity where it is. And I'm, I'm up in the tears and I'm sleeping. And about half an hour later... Someone come, wake up, you got to fight. I says, you told me I'm fighting tomorrow, I ain't fighting now. You have a fight now, you get disqualified. So I had ten minutes to warm up and fight. I went in there, done five rounds with him, he didn't knock me out. He won the gold medal, I won the silver medal. So from that now, um, I ended up fighting Dennis Alexo for a world title in, um, in Hawaii. Everything was going 
everything was going, it got to Hawaii, blah, 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 and everything. And um, the first round it come out, I was just, you know, I weren't um, a good technician. But I could fucking bang. I just, I just, you know, I just wanted to tear up. But Dennis Lex, he was, a, he was a proper technician. But everything he threw at me, I was just coming forward and soaking up, blocking, blocking, coming through one or two punches. Then in the third round, he done a spinning back kick right in my groin, and he snapped my box. Right, I was down on the floor for about 15, 15, 20 minutes. Then the promoter came into the ring and said, "If you don't get up and carry on fighting, you're not going to get paid." So I got up and carried on fighting, did an extra three rounds, and. Dev put the talent and says, I can't do it anymore. That was that. Promised a rematch after that. Never, he had about five, six fights after that. I never got my rematch. Then um, I got another chance for a world title fight, and this is us fight a guy called Paulo Zarello in Brazil. Um, four times Waco Pro world champion. The guy was a professional boxer as well. Never been stopped, never been this, all, all this crap. I remember, I remember coming out to the fight. Was, um, we, fought, we fought in Sao Paulo, and it was Brazil's National Independence Day. So it was free for everyone to get in. So there was about probably 30,000, thousand people there. And um, come out the first round, and it was just hitting me with everything. I was like, where the fuck these punches did kicks coming from? You know, I never, I never met someone that bloody fast. And he was, he was taller than me as well. And um, I'd, for this fight, most of my fights, I haven't really trained. I'm just rely on what's in my heart. You know what I mean? It's like... Out of all the fights I've got, I could probably say about five or six fights where I've actually gone out and trained. But for this fight, when I fought Palo, I didn't train. You know, I just thought, fuck you, I'm looking all looking right. Looking good. Yeah, <laughs> let me just go off the subject for a minute. That's where the bodybuilding has come into it with me as well. You know, because I've gone into a ring, a guy ain't seen me beforehand sometimes, and I've gone into a ring or took my top off, and the guy's going, fucking hell, look at the size of that cunt. But you're beating, <laughs> no, you're beating mentally already. already. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? You're beating you beat mentally already, you just got to go and do the physical stuff. I remember coming up against guys and I'm like this, this is a gun like, they're like that. Anything. I fought a guy in um, Northampton once, this guy called Dave Sharp. He's supposed to be like some uh, Taekwondo summit, summit Dan, summit Dan. But he was a big, yo, he was a big nigger as well, man. He was big. The guy couldn't lift his fucking leg up. And you, you're telling me you're Taekwondo, you can't lift your leg up. And as soon as I went like that, I was like that. So, sorry, good off subject. So, I had this fight, I had this fight in Brazil. And then, first, second, third round, the guy was just throwing everything, everything at me. But I just come out, come out sometimes, come and just throw shots. And I think it was the third or, third or fourth round. I came out third or fourth round. And I did a... Double jab, over and right and up. Boom, clapped him. The guy fell on the floor. And I went back, went up to the neutral corner. I was going, fucking hell, please don't get up on back in. <laughs> I, I, I swear to God, I was on the ropes. I was standing on the ropes like this. And he was crawling to the ropes. And he was in the corner like this. And he crawled rope like that. And I was going, oh, fucking hell, no more. <laughs> all of a sudden, he just fell down on the floor, I thought. And that was the greatest thing what I've ever achieved. And I stood up. And um, so... I cried because I couldn't believe it. You know what I mean? I've always wanted to win a world title in something. And then the downfall came. When, when the uh, like world champion, that. Then he turned around and says, it wasn't for a world title, it was for an intercontinental title. Yeah, and up till this day, I still ain't got my belt. I got paid for it. I got my, I got my yeah. money for it. Yeah. But I still, you know... So you fight, your fighting's took you all over the world? I've been all over the world. I've you know, fought in Ukraine, Siberia... Of Moscow, Brazil, Hawaii. And I've, I've been all I've been all over the world fighting. So, I, you know, I've, I've fought most of my MMA fights. I've had um, I, I, I um, sorry, 
eight MMA fights, one four, last four. But if you look on my record and look at the guys that I fought, I was less experienced than these guys. These guys were experienced. My first fight was a guy against a guy called Thunder McKillen in Holland, and we fought at Amsterdam Arena. You're talking like 30 odd thousand people, and they pay good money. And I'm just going to come to that in a minute with, with the money. You know, they, they pay good money. You know, and how I got the fight, I fought in, I had a kickboxing fight in Groningen, which is in the north of Holland. And um, the promoter says to me, we've got loads of um, promoters from Amsterdam that were really interested in them because I wasn't just a fighter, I was a showman as well. You know, I like to take the piss out of my opponents and play up to the crowd, and that's the sort of fighter I, I was. And this is, um, we've got loads of um, promoters from Amsterdam coming to have a watch here. I won the fight, and this guy says to me, you fancy doing a mixed fight? I go, you know, what you want about a mixed fight? Well, this mixed fight was like, they call it MMA. So I says, yeah, I'll have, a, I'll have a go. It's as long as the money right, I'll have a go in it. He says, all right, we'll get back to you. So I says, send me some videos of this mixed fight because I've never seen it before. But the other person I knew what was doing it was Liaznor. So he sent me some videos and that. And um, I got in touch with Liaznor, started doing some bit of training for it, slip, bit of training for it. And I thought this guy called Sonny McKillian had about six or seven fights, last one or last two or whatever. And it's not that I beat the guy, I took the piss out of the guy. You know, before, before I knocked him out. You know, I was in the corner, the guy was hitting me, and I was going, is that it? I was brushing off, and, you know, I, you know, I was entertaining the crowd as well, and that's what they really liked about me. Yeah. And then I got offered back fighting the fight, even if I lost the fight. We want you back because you're an entertainer. You know, I was dancing, in, you know, dancing to the crowd before I went into the ring, and, you know, that's, that's, that's what they really like. So, like I said, now, the money... My last fight was like 35,000 euro for my last fight, and that was in Amsterdam. I fought a guy called Bob Scriber. And Bob Scriber, he had no mug. He's fought guys like, Van, if you know MMA, he's fought guys like Vandalay Silva. He's fought some top guys. That's like, try to explain to you, these guys who are fought in MMA, the amount of experience these guys have got to me, but like I says, when you go back to, when you go back to, um, I ain't got a subject, when you go back to fight, you're probably getting bored now. When you go back to fighting now, the mistake I made in the MMA, I was, even though I did judo for a couple of years, I was more of a stand-up fighter. I, I didn't like the grappling, but I had to do because that was a style of fighting I was fighting. I was more like a, a Chuck Norris. No, not Chuck Norris, sorry, Chuck Liddell. You know what I mean? I ain't fighting on that floor. I'm standing up. As soon as you get on the floor, when I was training, my defences was, as soon as I get put on the floor, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. And that's, if you, if you see some of my fights, most of my fights were like that. I don't want to play around the floor. I wanted to, I wanted to knock you the fuck out. So I wanted, I, wanted to, I wanted to stand up. And that's the mistake I made. I was only taking the one fight a year, which was in Amsterdam, where I was getting good money. What these promoters are saying over here, come and fight on my show, I'll give you £200. I ain't get out of my bed for £200. I'll give you £500. I ain't get out of my bed for £500. I want a couple of thousands, and that's why I was just sticking to the one fight a year in Holland, because the money was that good. You know, why should I get my teeth kicked out for two, three grand? But I could earn 10, 15 grand in, in Holland. So that's the only mistake I really made in MMA. I didn't get the experience that I could, I could have got. Even though I was going out, I had um, four or five promoters, at the t uh, sponsors at the time. So every weekend they were paying for me to go to Holland. I was training with some of the best guys in Holland. But I wasn't getting the fight. You know, you can do as much training as you want. You need the fight, you need the experience. And then I ended up retiring. 
then the only reason I retired because the money took over the fight. I went fighting for the fight anymore. I went fighting to, to fuck someone up, like I normally do. The only reason why I was fighting to fuck people up is because if I had a fight on you and I didn't fuck you up, two years later, I might be fighting you again. I don't want to fight you again because I, wanted, I want you to know that, man, I fought this guy and he gave me a beating and he, you know, and he put me into retirement. And that's why I, I, I tried to do to all the, my opponents. Whether it's legal or illegal, I, tr- I wanted to fuck them up. When you, right. were, when you were fighting, you know, in Holland and whatever, I mean, you mentioned that you didn't train as much as you, yeah. you should have done. Did you train as much as you should have done? And I'm, I'm trying to get to the point as, could he have been the world champion and could, all disciplines know. had you put... I could have, you know, like, no, it's not... Is that, no, the, is no, that no, a regret? No, no. I didn't put... My training, I didn't put a lot of effort into my training. Some some fights, I didn't really train. Because it sounds like to me you went through on blood, guts, and determination. Yeah, my heart. I was, yeah. a, I was you know, my heart. I was a, I was a fighter. But if you'd been more, if you put more um, effort towards the athletic side of it, and you know, being able to go the rounds and whatever, it would have been, I'd have been a lot better. You know, just like now, I teach kids kickboxing. I explain to the kids, don't be scared of someone because they've got a bigger, higher belt than you, or because they're taller than you, bigger than you. Just get there and fight the fight. If I, rely, if I relied on them things, like saying, I ain't going to fight him, he's four five times world champion. I'd never have got anywhere in life. You're a human being just like I am, but I've got one eye less than you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's, that's the way I've always thought of it. Just go out there and, and fight. One eye, Baz, is the story of your life. But you've got to buy the book to find out. Yeah. Okay. And you're out in, in the, you'll be in a film called... Uh, Meet the Governors. Which is an ex-football hooligan gangster film, so that's due out next year, May. Okay. And what's um, is that? What you want to be doing in the future? More films and I'd, I'd love to be, yeah, because it keeps me out of trouble. It's still a little bit, of, a little bit of business as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. Pass, and passing on a message. Yeah, as you well. guys were asking anything. Is that film Meet the Governors? Is that a fictional one, or is that a, is that a based on fact? Based on fact. Is it still your life, or is it just a? Joke? No, it's not. It's not my life. I'm, I'm just like. A part in the oh, film. Okay. It's um, it's where you had ex gangsters and football hooligans, and you got the older lad, lads like me, who were retired. But the young lads are coming now, and the young lads are messing it all up, nausing it up for everyone. So the older lot come out to reclaim what was theirs. But it's a good film because you got like say David Essex, Drizzle Kids, um, Richard Blackwood. You got a couple of good stars in it as well. So it's a good film. I've got a question. Yes. Go on. When you're starting more so on the street, do you ever get worried about what you've got to lose? I had nothing to lose. What, what I had to lose? I've got a lot to gain, but I had nothing to lose. You've got not like family or... I've got family, yeah. In the background. But, but you know, to me, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to big myself up. <sighs> I don't, I'm not going to explain this. See, because nowadays you look at it, no one's, not like the olden days where you used to go down to the floor and they'd like, you know what? That, yeah, yeah, that's exactly. exactly yeah. The, you know, the, I, the all right, say, say for instance... About, th- about three years ago now, um, I got some Polish guys working from another door. And they says, Baz, you need, you need to come over to Poland. So I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're into their speedway, right? But they have it off in the speedway, you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. They have it off in the speedway. I got, I'll show you the pictures on my phone. They have it in the speedway. So I went with them to Poland and went to the speedway thing. The town, what they're from, they're in the final, right? 35,000 people at this speedway thing, right? One black man. <laughs> <laughs> and we're, 
I'm, 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 this is this is God's uh, this is gospel. We're bandaged up in the, in this fucking field, you know, ready to ready to have it off. And it, and it says like, when someone goes down, you just leave them. Just move on to the next person. I was game as fuck, man. I, I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Have you got um, any more questions? Have you got a man? I just just saw my daughter pop her head around the corner, and um, you talked about messages for kids uh, and helping out kids and giving them direction in yeah. life. You know, have you got a message that you know that you've learned from your time on the planet so far that you would pass on a, a word of wisdom that? Yeah, you know, I got a, I got a, um, kids with like disabilities as well. Of course, no matter what disability you've got, you can always achieve something that you want to achieve. You understand what I'm saying? Just like me, I've got one eye, but it's never stopped me from doing whatever I've wanted to do. And you get kids, all these gang kids, kids you know, all these gang kids, like, they just have to quick money. Everything's quick, quick, quick. They don't, they don't want to go out there and graph for it. Mind you, I was the same when I was, when I was young. I don't want to graph for it. If you've got something that I want, I'm fucking taking it off you, mate. Simple as that. But it, it's hard to teach these kids now because these, most of these kids now, they ain't got respect like what we had back then, especially for our elders as well. Yeah, he's telling the mum and dad to fuck off. I'm 48 fucking years old. I can't say F word in front of my mum. <laughs> I, I wouldn't do it anyway. You know, just, just yeah, respect. I respect yeah. A lot of these kids ain't got the respect nowadays. You know, respect, honour and manners can save your fucking life. A simple sorry, yes, no, can, can save your life, which these kids don't use. So respect is your message. Have yeah, respect yeah. for things and graft. Yeah. Baron, go on. One last question. Yes, sir. Because of the eye thing, in terms of fighting... Obviously, you're just at the right position yourself visually. Well, um, when I when I was I'm I'm, I'm Southport Orthodox, so it helped me out. It helped me out in a, in, a, in a lot. I was like a switch hitter. I, you know, like um, say for instance, when I fought Palazzuolo, he asked for videos of me, so I did all the videos in Southport. Right, so he studied all these videos in Southport, but I came out fighting in Orthodox. <laughs> <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So oh, in, I'm, I'm left-footed, right-handed, I'm what do you call it, ambidextrous or whatever you think. So depends. If I want to do like a strong left kick, I'll go into a, in Southport. If I want to do a weaker left kick, I'll go into Orthodox and, and vice versa. And if you football Yes, sir. Were you avoided by the firms? Like, did you, was there a, a man from the firms? That you I was avoided by the firms and, and the, mainly, of course, the police as well. You know... I can, I, can, you know, I can go to a football match as soon as the police see me the police will get on my case they'll follow me everywhere even though now I'm not, oh, rightly so, really. I'm, I'm not causing any trouble but with you following me them lads, them lads are over there causing the trouble so it takes it all off me but like I said I'm, I'm down as a police agent I hate the police anyway you know, <laughs> no, certain things happened in my life where the police have tried to stitch me up in like I've done nothing and they've tried to, you know, last year I was on a big court case last year, a conspiracy to blackmail and, and to assault charges, which had nothing completely to do with me. They paid two guys money to give evidence against me in court and that all came out in court where they tried to pay two guys to give evidence against me in court. So I'm, I'm not really a fan of the police anyway to tell the truth, so... But you have given them a good... From, from that point of view, you did give them a bit of a hard time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. OK, look, Barrington, as always, it's a pleasure talking to you. No problem, man. Thank you very much for everyone that's helped no and um, questions Cheers, Thanks for listening. Thank you.